Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. Morning. Hello. Um, the first thing I just wanted to, if you don't think that your giving matters, it does. I, got, I found this note on my desk this week, and it said, because of your, because of, uh, it says, I'll just read it. Thank you all for helping me get my glasses. Now I can see to read my Bible. So like, that's just huge that someone, you know, something that seems so little, helping someone get a pair of glasses, but they're so thankful because now they can read their Bible. Like that's a, that's what you do with your dollar ministry giving. And that's what you do with your generosity. So just thank you for being a generous church. Also, Wednesday, we will have our Christmas service. Wednesday at 6 o'clock, we'll be celebrating uh, as a church together um, the birth of a risen Christ. We will do registration, so be looking out for that. Um, and we will just be doing, we'll be trying stuff uh, new to accommodate everyone that may be coming. So just be looking out for the registration and join us Wednesday at six o'clock, and I'm just going to pray, and then we can dive right in. Father, I thank you for your birth, that in humility you came down from your throne to dwell among us, to die for sinners. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. May we not just come into church casually, but come into church to worship. I thank you that we have a building to worship you in, that all across the world there are people who don't have the same privilege that we have, that they're in danger of persecution, they're in danger of being disowned from their family, they're in danger for carrying a Bible. So let us just not walk into church like it's a checklist, but let us walk into church thankfully and humbly that we have a place that we can worship you at. I thank you for um, just your sacrifice that you didn't come to save the high and mighty, but you came to save sinners. And I thank you that we can just look at you during this season in Christ's name. Amen.
If you thought that video was graphic, remember a movie can only do so much. It can only paint so much of a picture. It can only be so detailed. As I watched The Passion of the Christ on Monday, I had tears in my eyes as I seen the lashes going across his back. I was completely disgusted as I seen the guards force the crown of thorns in his head. And as I was watching it, my daughter walked in the room as they was driving the nails through his hands. And I pondered for a moment, should I turn this off? Is this too much for my little girl's eyes to see? Is this too much for her to take in? Is she too young to see something like this? And then I thought, why would I hide the truth from my daughter? Jesus on the cross was born to die for sinners. That was the Father's will. He was born to give his life. And there's no better gift that my daughter, your daughter, my brother, your family member, your friends of the world could ever receive. This was the baby in the manger. This was the king of all kings. This was the prophesied Messiah, bloodied, bruised, and pierced. So I asked myself, and I want to ask you this morning, what if everything you want isn't under the tree, but everything you need was on the tree? Would that be enough? Know this, if all your wishes came true, if your checklist got completed, if everything you ever wanted fell in your lap and you had endless amount of money in your bank account, but you didn't have a relationship with Christ, it's meaningless. If your kids make straight A's and they grow up to be successful and they go to college and own a business and don't meet Jesus, it's meaningless. If you stay sober for the next 80 years and you cook meals for the homeless and you do good things, but you don't meet Jesus, it's meaningless. John Piper puts it this way. There are a thousand needs in the world, but none of them compare to the global need of the gospel. The greatest gift that we can give this year, the very reason why our church doors are open, the best thing you could receive is a heart transformed by the grace of God to go from broken to set free, to go from in chains to chains broken, to go from death to life. The greatest gift, the gift that keeps on giving is the gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ crucified. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we'll be in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. One verse that just speaks so much to my heart. Romans chapter 8, verse 32, and we'll be finishing up our three-part series, The Coming of an Unlikely King. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son. I'm going to repeat that. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. 
how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? In preparing for my sermon this week, day after day, those eight words would just ring in my head. They would just play over and over and over again. And I just thought about how those words are just vivid and they're gut-wrenching. Those words are just tough to digest. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? As you think about that and what Christ came to do, I think it's easy to imagine being faced with that very decision. Like for me, no matter how I desire to be noble, I could never give up my daughter for any of you. I wouldn't give up my daughter for my best friend, for all the riches in the world. I wouldn't give up my daughter for my mother, my brothers, anything that you could offer me. I wouldn't give up Bella. How many of you could do that? How many of you could give your own child? How many of you in here know John 3.16 by heart? I know I do. It's almost so common we can just say the words without processing exactly what it's saying. It's just so common that it's just they hang it up on boards at football games and people put it on their eyes and it's almost we can just say the words without any meaning to them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not spare his son, Matthew's table, God gave his son. That was the gift on a tree, the price being paid. God gave him up for us all. Let me make this personal. God hung on a cross for Nick Martin. God hung on a cross for Brandon Duvall. God hung on a cross for Tyrone. God hung on a cross for Maurice. God hung on a cross for sinners. When we talk about generosity, we must start there. God was so generous that he gave his only son for people that didn't deserve it. God was so generous that it cost you nothing but cost him everything. God was so generous that that was the plan since the beginning of time. If you're anything like me, as we read the verse, I would be asking, who's us all? When it says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Who's us all? Who did he give his son up for? Was it me? Was it you? Because I have a hard time believing that. I, have, I haven't always been so confident in those words. Like it's easy for me to say, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But it's much more harder for me to soak in that God so loved Nick Martin that he gave his son. So I'd ask myself, and I think it's a fair question if you ask yourself, who's us all? But if you read the verses before that, Romans chapter 8, verse 30 through 32, we'll find our answer. It says, for those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called... He also justified. And those who he justified, 
he also glorified. What should then we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The yes, all Matthew's table is those in Christ. Those that have been purchased by his blood, those that have placed their faith in him. If you are in Christ, it's because of his deeds and not your own. If you are in Christ, it's because of his grace and not your works. If you are in Christ, it's simply because you are his. You didn't work your way into good standings with Jesus. You didn't earn your way to a rightful place with God. He gave you a gift you couldn't pay for. He gave you a son on a bloody cross to pay for sins. He gave you life instead of death. I'll say this before, but it's one of my greatest reminders. If you are, in, if you are a child of God today, you will be a child of God tomorrow. He predestined it. He called it. He justified it. He glorified it. And if you have a problem with that, you don't have a problem with me. You have a problem with the Bible. That is good news that he predestined it. He called it. He justified it. He glorified it. The Jesus I know gives grace. The Jesus I know gives hope. The Jesus I know justifies. The Jesus I know glorifies the Jesus I know gives mercy. The Jesus I know gives forgiveness. The Jesus I know gives life. God called Nick Martin since the beginning of time. The gift was already there for me. It had already been purchased. To me, that's some of the best news I can hear. It's almost mind-blowing because as humans, if we was to be honest, we have a tendency to get gifts to people when they deserve it. And then we pull back when we think that they don't. But that's not how God treats us, though. We have a tendency to think he loves us better when we perform well and that he's done with us when we drop the ball. We have a tendency to think I need to re-earn my gift. I need to re-earn my spot. I need to re-earn his love. It's one thing to get a gift that you think you earned. It's another complete thing to get a gift that you don't deserve. How God gave up his son should cause sinners to hit their knees. Who can be against us if God is for us? How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If you are in Christ, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you are the richest person who ever lived. If you are in Christ, if you have a relationship with Christ, he has already given you all things. If you are in Christ, you have received the greatest gift. They could take away all the money in your bank account, but they can never take away Jesus. They could take away all your earthly possessions, your family, everything you own, but they can never take your relationship with Jesus. They could take my very life. You could be at my funeral in a few days and I would still have all things in Jesus. All things aren't health, wealth, and prosperity. All things are a relationship with God that was made possible on a bloody cross. The gift that keeps on giving is the gospel. 
The gift that keeps on giving is Jesus. He was born to give his life. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. I don't know any better news than that, than the good shepherd laying his life down for his sheep. And as I thought about how we can be different this year as a church, I read this from a book we are studying. It said, and especially since we have this building now, it says, it can be tempting for a church to start praying about budgets in a building, but it would be better for us to spend our time praying about the spiritual life of our church. We should pray for those who seek Christ to find a home here. We should pray that those who are lonely and weary will find a welcome place here. We should pray that if we grow, we will still disciple people one-on-one. Matthew's table, if that's our prayer, we will flip the city upside down. A church could have a $5 million budget and not be as rich as us. A church could have all the fancy things, a, a fog machine, a light show, people hanging from the ceiling and not be as rich as us. A church could have 5 million people sitting in the pews and not be as rich as us. 12 disciples changed the whole world with the message of Jesus. In Matthew's table, we have that same message. Christ crucified for a lost and broken world is the gift that keeps on giving. Let's be more worried about people than presence. Let's be, worried, me, be, me, be more worried about the gospel than gifts. If we're going to spend our time doing anything, let's spend our time not thinking about what's under the tree in a few days, but what was on the tree, the baby in the manger, the prophesied Messiah, the Savior of the world. To dive deeper into the heart, I was talking to Tamara a few days ago. If you don't know Tamara, she runs our kids' ministry. She disciples our children. If you ask anyone what we do well in this community, I bet they would say outreach. They would say Matthew's table you go well. You do outreach well. You're always in our city. You're always doing something. But this was convicting. Tamara being more worried about the gospel than gifts said, Nick, we need to figure out a way to go from doing outreach to get people here so that they, so that they can hear the good news. We need these people to hear about Jesus. So consider this. What if you told one person the gospel today. What if that person believed and it changed their eternity? What if that person went on to tell another person the gospel today and they believed and it changed their eternity? What if the chain kept on going and it reached their lost family member? What if the chain kept going and it reached someone in prison? What if the chain kept going and it reached someone across the world? I'm in this very place today because someone gave me something far worth more than a million dollars. They gave me something far worth more of, they gave me something far worth more than a gold chain. Someone shared the true gospel with me. They gave me the gift that kept on giving. Someone poured into Roger Chilton, who poured into Julius Maddox when he was in jail, 
who poured into me when I needed it the most. I wonder, who was the guy that poured into the guy that poured into Roger and the person before that and the person before that? You probably don't even know. You probably don't even know, like, with Julius, I know that he poured into my life because Roger poured into him. And I was asking Roger who poured into him, and he said, a lawyer. And I said, well, who poured into him? And he said, I think a guy named Brad or, or Dave or something. He was like, I really don't know. So you don't even know who has the influence on you being in here today. Do you see the gift that keeps on giving? Julius poured truth into me when I was living a lie because someone poured truth into him when he was living a lie because someone poured truth into him when he was living a lie because Julius was so bold and told me the truth. Not only did Christ save me, he saved my wife, he saved my brother, he saved my mother-in-law and many other people I know. If y'all didn't know this, Julius prayed for me for a year straight before I got saved. Night after night, Julius would hit his knees for my family. Night after night, guess what? There wasn't a lot of progress. There wasn't this one day I just woke up, I'm going to praise the Lord. Night after night, it seemed like Nick Martin was a lost cause. But night after night, Julius would hit his knees for me the whole time he was in Friends of Sinners. He would tell Roger, I'm just, I'm praying for these Martin brothers. Roger didn't even know me then, and he would just hear Julius say, man, I'm praying for my friends to be saved. Julius would come in my shop and have to leave because there would be drugs laid out. Julius, uh, I tried to get him to work security at the Haystack and Jelly Roll concert. And I was that friend that brought beer to the table when Julius was in rehab. What friend is that? But Julius never quit praying for me. He never gave up. When my family was falling apart, we was about to get a divorce. Guess what? He answered every call. Julius got me and my wife into a Christian counselor. And this is big for me because without Julius doing this for me, I'd probably be dead or in prison. Without him hitting his knees for me, I don't know where I would be. But Julius, the next day, my marriage is falling apart. I call him, man, I don't know what to do. My wife is leaving me. She's kicking me out. And he said, man, I got a guy that I want you to go see tonight. I want you and John to go to his house tonight. And from that day, my life hasn't been the same. Julius had me serve at Friends of Sinners. When I felt like I had no purpose, he said, come up here and serve. He answered any question that I had about the Bible. Church. We don't outgrow the gospel. We don't outgrow discipleship, and we definitely don't outgrow church. Julius poured into me because Roger poured into him, because someone poured into Roger, and because someone poured into him. I pray that this time next year, our church looks completely different because more people are hearing the gospel and being set free. We are not a holy huddle where we just group up and leave. Matthew's table, we should be known as ambassadors for Christ, going into a lost and broken world, armed with the good news of Jesus Christ. A quote I love is, we are just beggars telling other beggars where to find the bread. 
We must see discipleship as a focal point of our church and not just something we do on the calendar. We don't just check the box, small church check, discipleship check, church check. It's not just something your pastors talk about. All your pastors are starting their second discipleship group. When we finish that one, our plan is to start another one. And then after that one, our plan is to start another one. Because that's the gift that keeps on giving. I desire to pour into others because someone poured into me. A Christian counselor, a Christian counselor that didn't know me from one bit, opened his house up to me and my wife as our marriage was falling apart. A Christian man invited me to study the Bible with him at 6 a.m. in the morning. A Christian woman poured into my wife. A Christians prayed for my brother when he was in jail. Christians brought meals to my family as my nephew was killed. Christians got gifts for the kids at the Cadillac and Colonial. Christians should raise the bar. What better than a meal, though, is salvation? What better than a gift is the gospel? Let's look at the verse slowly. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Consider this. There is nothing more generous that could be done for a lost and broken world than Jesus on the cross. You and I was on our way to an eternity in hell, and God gave his son. You was doomed but God gave his son. You was broken, but God gave his son. You was lost, but God gave his son. That must soak in how just totally depraved you were, but God gave his son. Without the grace of God, it's no secret. I would be dead or in prison, divorced. With, uh, not, uh, uh, my daughter wouldn't have a father at home. All the above I would be. When I think about all the things God has given me, none of them compare to the greatest gift of all, himself. You know what I used to think? If I could ever buy a house, I would be complete. If I could ever own a home, that would be my all things. That was what I was banking on. I thought I, would, I wouldn't want anything else if I could ever just buy a house. I would never move. I would, I would be content because that was my all things. I thought if I could ever buy a Chevy Tahoe, I would never want another car. I thought that was my dream car. I would just ride that thing till the wheels fall off because that was what I considered my all things. I thought if I hit a certain number in my bank account that I would finally be happy, that I would be content with what, what, what I had. I thought I wouldn't need for anything else because that was my all things. All that was fool's gold. All that left me unfulfilled and, un and empty. All things I tried to chase for self-glorification and self-fulfillment. Like a kid on Christmas that's just fulfilled for a few hours, I realized nothing outside of Christ will ever bring me lasting satisfaction. If you're looking for satisfaction in money, it'll leave you empty. If you're looking for satisfaction in career, 
it will leave you empty. If you're looking for satisfaction in your family, it will leave you empty. If you're looking for satisfaction in anything other than Christ, you're looking in the wrong place. Jesus Christ is the greatest gift of all. Think about what we have in him. When he gave us Jesus, he gave us peace. When he gave us Jesus, he gave us redemption. When he gave us Jesus, he gave us grace. When he gave us Jesus, he gave us deliverance. When he gave us Jesus, he gave us all things. The father never lost his son. The father gave his son. And there is nothing more generous that could have taken place. If that doesn't change you and the way you live, your affections and your desires, then I begin to wonder, have you received the greatest gift of all? Do you see Christ as all you need? Do you see Christ as your everything? Do you see Christ as the true treasure? He's king or he's not. He's not scooting over as you worship your bank account. He's not scooting over as you look for your dream house. He's not scooting over for anything. That was my dream plan growing up. I didn't want to go to hell, but I didn't love Jesus either. I've seen women as the greatest gift. I've seen money as the greatest gift. I've seen what I wanted and my plans as the greatest gift. Because I didn't want to go to hell, though, I thought, I'll party and I'll live my life until I'm 80. And, and just as an insurance policy, I'll be on my deathbed in a nursing home and I'll ask for forgiveness. Just because I didn't want to go to hell, I thought, Lord, forgive me of all my sins because I know I'm about to die. That's what we can do, right? We can put Christ on the back burner to chase what we want to chase. We put him to the side while we pursue our goals and our ambitions. We think one day, God, it would just be me and you time. When I get done doing what I got to do, when I get done chasing what I got to chase, I'll get back to following you. When I get more time, when I feel like it, I'll get back to making you number one, making you priority, making you king in my life. But that's not how you treat the greatest gift, though. You don't put gold down for pebbles. You don't put a million dollars down for mud. And you definitely don't put the king on the shelf. If I told you today I know where $10 million were, you would probably wake up. You would probably quit your job if you really believed me to go find it. You would probably be like, Nick, where's it at? I need this $10 million. Even if it took you a year, I'm sure you would go chase it. But I'm telling you, I got something far better. I got something that I wouldn't trade for the world. Steve Lawson puts it this way. If you have forsaken the world to follow Jesus, you have given up dirt for diamonds. I'll repeat that. If you have forsaken the world to follow Jesus, you have given up dirt for diamonds. The rich young ruler asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life. What must I do, Jesus? What do I, what do I need to do? And Jesus said, look here, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. 
The rich ruler didn't like the answer, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The problem with the rich young ruler, though, wasn't that he had great possessions. It was that great possessions had him. And before you blow it off, I wonder, do they have you also? That's where his treasure was. That's where his greatest gift was found. That's what had his heart. It consumed him. That's what he spent his time, his life on, his great possessions. And if we was to be honest, things distract us from the greatest thing, right? Gifts distract us from the gift giver. And as a rich ruler walked away, he was sad because he was blinded by his possessions. Tuesday in small church, we talked about a lot of us had did time in jail. And we, talk, and we talked about how that time we felt closer to God than ever before. We talked about how as we got out and we added things, you know, a wife and a kid and a TV and, and Netflix and everything else. Then all of a sudden it became harder to worship God. It became harder to open up the Bible. It became harder to make time for him. But in jail, it was like, hey, man, this is all I need, a relationship with Jesus. This is my heart. This is all. This is everything I need. This is where I find my contentment. And then gifts start being brought in our life, you know. And it's, hey, now I'm a missing church. Now I can't do this because I'm with my, you know, doing this. And now I'm working 82 hours a week and I got to do this. And gifts distract us from the gift giver. In recovery of the world, they say, as options increase, willingness will decrease. And in his mind, the rich young ruler, he had way too much to let go of. In his mind, he was losing instead of gaining. In his mind, Jesus wasn't the true treasure. And I'll ask you that. Is Jesus your true treasure? Is Jesus everything you need? Is Jesus everything you desire? Is Jesus after, is, is, is your heart after Jesus? Are you chasing him more than you chase anything else? And worship team, you can make your way up. As we're ending this part three series, The Coming of an Unlikely King, I realized this was a Christmas sermon and it could, it could have went a million different ways. I thought about, you know, we could have did a big offering and we could have gave away a lot of money. And we could have been known as cheerful givers. We could have been known as a sacrificial church. We could have took up a special offering and gave it away to a, a family in need, and that would have been a great thing. But then as I was praying and I was thinking through this, I was just pondering, when don't we just slow down and think about what God did? When do we just slow down and think about what he accomplished? When do we just slow down and think about what he gave? Especially this Christmas season that has turned into go here, go here, do this, got to run here, got to get gifts for a thousand people. When do we just slow down and just think the Savior of the world hung on a cross for your sins? How have we turned Christmas into ho, ho, ho and a million gifts and going into debt? And I'm a part of that. The greatest gift of all, though, won't be found under the tree. The greatest gift of all was found on the tree. 
The greatest gift of all is Jesus. The greatest gift of all that we can be known for is the gospel. If we were to be known for anything in a hundred years, if someone writes Matthew's table, table biography, let it be said that Matthew's table believed the gospel, that they loved the gospel, and that they shared the gospel. If the gospel is the gift that keeps on giving, who is going to be here next year because you shared it with them? Who is going to be in this seat because you shared the gospel with them? That you was bold and told them the truth. Whose eternity is going to be changed because you shared the good news with them? Is it your brother? Is it your sister? Is it that person that you've given up on? Is it your one? Who is the next Roger Chilton who hears the gospel and starts a gospel-centered recovery ministry? Who is the next Julius Maddox who hears the gospel, becomes the number one bench presser in the world, and uses his platform to share the gospel to others? Who is the next Sherry Rust who hears the gospel, starts God's Girls, and opens up her house to women to pray and study the Bible? Who is the next James Burdett who hears the gospel and goes from a jail cell to being one of the biggest servants I know? Who is the next Brandon Duvall who hears the gospel and goes from homeless to having a home in Christ? That's mind-blowing what the gospel does. Nick Martin is only up here because someone shared the truth of Jesus with him and not the watered-down truth that I liked either. Julius stepped on my toes time after time. He said, man, you're going to lose your family. You're going you're gonna to lose it all. And I would call him, Jew, what do I need to do? I need to fix this. He would just say, run to Jesus. I'd be like, no, nah, I ain't trying to hear that. What do I need to do? Man, Nick, run to Jesus. I'd be like, no, nah, but give me a plan. That is the plan. Time after time, I would call him, cussing him out. Jew, you said the counselor was going to work. My wife just punched me. And he would just say, run to Jesus. <laughs> I'd be like, no, nah, I'm ready to call the law. He'd be like, no, nah, run to Jesus. I just embarrassed my wife. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it was real. I would call you mad. Man, you said this was going to work. You said if I started going to church and going to Jesus that he was going to fix it all. And for six months, a year, I was like, man, this ain't working. I would come home from church. Man, hallelujah, praise God. And my wife would be, man, I'm calling my wife out, but she would be Margaritaville and be like, man, this ain't working. You can keep going to church. I ain't taking you back. Now I called you and be like, I need a new plan. <laughs> and he would be like, no, nah, Jesus is the plan. And I would hate it. I'd be like, Jew, you stepping on my toes. He'd be like, run to Jesus, Nick. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. And if you have someone in your life like that, don't think they're a lost cause. Because that's what someone said about me. They said, John, I give up on Nick. He's a lost cause. He's going to do it again. They said, Jew, you're wasting your breath. You've chased this guy for a year now. You've prayed for this guy for a year now. You've hit your knees for a year now. Obviously, he's not listening. He's going to pull you down to the dirt. They said, Nick won't ever change. And I'm so glad that they was wrong. The gospel 
changes everything. The gospel breaks down political divides, racial divides, social divides. The gospel places sinners in need of the gift giver. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have, fall, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's me. It's Roger. It's Charlie and Brandy. It's Maurice. That's everybody on the front row. All the way back to the back row. Every single one of you. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all broken the law. We all have a debt to pay. We all are left without excuse. That's the bad news. You couldn't earn the gift of God. You couldn't afford the gift of God. You didn't deserve the gift of God. Because we are sinners, there's, there's a price that had to be paid. We didn't deserve the gift. The wages of sin is death. The cost of sin is death. That's the punishment someone had to pay. You couldn't work your way back in. You couldn't just say, I'm going to be a good boy. I'm going to be a good girl, and I'll, and I'll be in good standings with a holy and perfect God. But then there's grace. But then there's Jesus. But then there's the greatest news of all. And it says, but the free gift... It's a free gift. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. If you haven't trusted in Jesus today, the gospel is the greatest news that we could give you. If you have trusted in Jesus today, the gospel is still the greatest news we could give you. You can just pray where you are. You can ask someone to pray with you. You can go to Roger. You can go to Charlie. You can go to Maurice. It doesn't have to be a pastor. Someone can give you the good news. Someone can share Christ with you. Your eternity can be changed forever. You need to repent and believe in the gospel. Abide in Christ. Pursue Christ. Trust Christ. Love Christ. Praise Christ and receive his gift that he has purchased on your behalf. The bad news is you're a sinner. The better news is he's a savior. The most generous thing that could happen to you was over 2,000 years ago, the savior of the world was nailed to a cross. The most generous thing that could happen to you is the savior of the world paid the price. The most generous thing that could happen to you is the savior of the world took your place. The wrath of God and the grace of God collided and made all things new. The greatest gift of all, Jesus in the gospel, keeps on giving. But the question I have for you today is have you received it? Hey, thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. 
That's Matthew's table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.